When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello again, this is the Manchester Evening News podcast. Now normally it's Rich Fay in the chair, but uh, he's got the the holiday for uh, the Easter period, so he's not here today. So I'm Ian Cheeseman and I've stepped into the presenter role, although you're not going to hear me present much. It's just going to be a debate between Stuart Brennan and I. Stuart, of course, a regular writer and chief city man at the Manchester Evening News. And, uh, and I'm, of course, the regular contributor on the podcast. This is Talking City from the MEN. And, of course, if you like what we do, make sure that you subscribe and look out for us on iTunes and Audio Boom. So, Stuart, obviously the, the Everton game is a good place to start and, and you can take over the presenting role if you want. We'll share it. But um, the Everton game, I thought, just to, to open up the, my own views, uh, I thought the first-half performance at Goodison Park was as good as anything I've ever seen. Um, I mean, we've seen some gorgeous football in the last, uh, not not just under, uh, I've got to say, Pep Guardiola, but also at times under Pellegrini, and there were moments under Mancini as well. And obviously I've been watching City a long time, and Kevin Keegan comes to mind, and I've seen some great football, but I can't actually remember a 45 minutes that was as good as that. I mean, the goals that were scored, the passing, the movement... And I know people listening to this will say, hang on a minute, it was only Everton, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And the trouble at the moment is every time City play well, perform well, dazzle and show how good they are, from the outside particularly, maybe not just me and you, not maybe me and you, but people from the outside go, ah, well, they were poor, the opposition. Well, every opposition can't be poor. And I know we're going to find out in the next few days against arguably the toughest opposition City could face certainly from England but I thought City were just majestic and it was a great warm up for, for Wednesday Yeah I, I was talking to some of the Merseyside reporters uh, afterwards we were waiting in what they call the mix zone which is where we get to meet the players and try and get them to speak to us and uh, they were saying well yeah City were great but Everton are terrible aren't they and I said well to be honest I've seen City do that to, to better teams than Everton this season and like you say, you know, it, it can't be. It can't be that every time they, they, they play like that, the opposition are poor. Um, and while we were there, we, we managed to stop Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, Kevin's brilliant in that he, he stops and speaks to us a lot, which is which is is really good of him, and we appreciate that because through us he's speaking to the fans. And uh, I thought he spoke really well. And if you if you check out, I've done a piece about this that's, that's on the the Evening News website. Uh, if you want to see the the full extent of what he wrote, but what he said was absolutely spot on. I thought uh, it, it might sound a bit arrogant, but it wasn't because he's he's not an arrogant type. You know, he's quite a level-headed lad, and what he said was was absolutely correct. He said you just you'd have to read it really, but he said you feel in control when you're playing that way. You're in you're in control from the moment you walk on the pitch. You, everybody knows the job. Everyone knows what to do in every circumstance. And it gives you this this feeling of of confidence and of superiority, and of being in complete control of what's going on in the in the match, uh, which is I mean he's played at the top level for quite a while now, and he said it's something that he's never quite experienced before, and he said he said he could see it on the faces of the Everton players that they did not know what to do, 
And, they, you know, we can say that Everton aren't a great team, but they're not a bad team. And they've got top professionals. They're pretty much all internationals. They all know what to do on a football pitch. They all know how to set out to stop a team. Sam Allardyce has been... Whatever you think of Sam Allardyce as a manager... I'm a fan, by the way, of Sam Allardyce. I think he's a brilliant organiser. Yeah, I, I, I think he's got a lot of plus points. And I don't, I don't really get the, the people who knock him. He's been a good manager at that level. And he said himself afterwards, I, I know how to set teams out to stop teams playing. We've seen him do it against City down yeah. there many times, haven't we? Yeah. When, he, when he's been at Bolton and, and other clubs, he's, he's set, put teams out that are frustrated, very good City teams. He said, no matter what we do against City, they, they'll beat you. You press them high, they'll, they'll pass past you. You know, try and clog the midfield to play around you. Try and sit deep. And they'll, they've got so many good finishers and they're so good in the intricate passing and, and opening teams up that they'll just beat you. So no matter what you do, you, you can't beat them. And, and for De Bruyne to say that, um, that you know, he, could, he was looking at the Everton players and they were bewildered. They just didn't know how to cope with it. Uh, players that have probably coped with just about everything over the, you know, over the careers. Um, and it was, it was quite phenomenal. I mean, the, the goals were, were fabulous. Uh, we, uh, David Silva was unbelievable. Oh, it was funny, though. I, on match, match of the day, they singled out Leroy Sane. Yeah. I mean, Sane was quite brilliant, uh, but we were all enthusing about Silva. Perhaps it's got to the point where Silva is just so good. People expect him to be, to be brilliant. You know, then Sane puts in a, a great performance and people notice that more. Um but I just be sorry. I'm, I'm dominating a little bit, but <laughs> don't worry. I, I'm I'm, uh, I'm just quite enthusing about it. But just a little little nice side story, something that that struck me. Um, as you know, I, I'm lucky enough to to get down the tunnel in the dressing room areas after the game, uh, and I went down there at Everton. It's quite a tight little space. Uh, we were told that we'd get to have a little chat with Leroy Sane, um, and Leroy was doing some other stuff. So I was standing literally behind him uh, and he was in conversation with Pep Guardiola. Uh, Pep wandered, Pep saw him waiting in the doorway and wandered over to him and I thought, oh, he's going to give him a big hug and tell him how brilliant he was. And he, gave, he was a bit, bit like the Nathan Redmond situation. He gave him a, a slap on the chest and grabbed his face and started you know, being quite vigorous with him. And he said, what about that last one? How did, what happened there? What? And he was pulling him up on not scoring another goal. I, I, I must have missed this point, because as you know, quite often I've got my head in my laptop. But uh, at some point, he, he, had a, he had an opportunity, and he missed it. And Pep was sort of... He had his tongue in his cheek a little bit, because you could see he had a little smile twitching on the, on the side of his mouth. But he was pulling him up on not scoring the goal. And Sane took it in the right spirit. He was sort of explaining himself, but he was laughing as well. He knew that there was a bit of fun going on. But... Pep was getting his point across to him, you know. All right, you were great, but you've got to be great again next time. You've got to make sure that you you can do better, you can improve, you could have done this better. And that's another facet of what makes his City team so brilliant, that Pep's restless, he won't, he won't accept that. He won't, we, me and you came away, we were driving home from Goodison saying what a fantastic performance. But Guardiola won't have been doing that. He'll have been picking out the, the bits that weren't right, the second half, perhaps they didn't score a goal, you know, things that weren't quite right. And that is that is what makes them that is what makes this city team certainly the best team I've seen in the Premier League. Well, the the two things I would add to that, I can't really add a lot because 
that that's a great story that you've told. I wish I'd seen that as well, but I don't get access to the tunnel anymore. But um, certainly David Silver, who we both wax lyrical of, about, and you gave him a 10 out of 10, I know, for that performance, and I don't see how you couldn't have given him a 10 out of 10, uh, just seems to be getting better and better. I was talking to a City fan the other day who said, do you think the fact that he's got this issue back home, and so therefore... His mind is on that quite a lot in his in his downtime, if you like, means that when he's on his uptime, when he's actually playing football, he's almost even more focused because it's an escape from from the anxieties that he has in his private life. Now I don't know whether that's the case or whether it's simply down to Pep Guardiola's coaching, but another thing that I picked out, and I know we've we we talked a lot, particularly you know during the last. Uh, two or three months when Gabriel Jesus has been injured about the performances, quite rightly, of Sergio Aguero and how key he is. But I watched Gabriel Jesus do things uh, that were a next level up. OK, it's not it, it's the finishing that everybody talks about, but look, some of the back heels and the, the very uh, tight little flicks and passes that were not showboating, that people might look on if they were outsiders as showboating, you know, maybe he didn't need to do that, but actually they are defence splitters. They are, uh, you know, they are the thing that completely bamboozles the opposition. And I and he did it two or three times in the game, and he did it very, very well mm. and consistently well. And I thought, if this is the level that Pep is trying to take them to, and they're all going to be starting to play at this extra special level, not that it's not special already, wow. That that means there's another gear to go to yet. Mm. Now, but but I'm supposed to bring it back down to earth. Liverpool and United are the next two opposition, and Everton was the warm up. So I mean, I know we're going to talk about the Liverpool game in a lot more depth in a second. But the other thing I I noticed, of course, was was Laporte playing at left back. Um, it was interesting. City had 82 percent. 82% possession which was a record I know away for an away team in the Premier League and in those circumstances to actually assess a defender is more difficult I think um, I mean early on in this season when City were beating Stoke 7-2 and, and performances like that nobody ever really commented about the defence or looked at the defence when you're away from home and when you've got Liverpool and United as your next two opponents Perhaps you scrutinise the defence a bit more, even when you're dominating games. But what do you think of Laporte? I mean, I, as a footballer, he's, he's a good footballer, isn't he? He is. He's a terrific footballer. He's got a great left foot on him. Um, it wasn't a big test for him, was it? You know, defensively, he, he looked great going forward. He, he played a key role in that that opening goal. Um, Walcott didn't really test him. No. Um, I know he's played there before. He played there for Athletic Bilbao. Uh, Without any complications, I think he. I think he did all right when he played there for them. Whether you'd play him there against Mo Salah, who's like perhaps the informed player in the Premier League right now, um, is another matter. But there's all kinds of theories about this. Was it a dress rehearsal for playing him there? Was it a dress rehearsal for playing three at the back and playing him on the left side of the three, um, and putting Danilo at left back, which would make it very secure. Um, that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, or I think I think you you subscribe to the possibility that he played in there to keep Danilo fresh. Um, I know you, you're thinking behind that is that Danilo, he's right a right footed left back, and he'd be playing against a, a right sided player who comes in onto his left foot. 
Uh, and Pepper's done that before, of course. He did that against Monaco last season. Uh, he played Fernandinho at left-back against Bernardo Silva because Bernardo Silva cuts in from the right onto his left foot. Fernandinho played against him um, in that one. Uh, and I thought he did pretty well against him as well. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going on in Pep's head? I don't think anybody saw that Laporte would play. I wrote a piece about him possibly playing at left-back a few weeks ago when they were when Fabian Delph was injured and he ended up putting Zinchenko there. So you kind of think, well, maybe if he puts Zinchenko there ahead of Laporte, maybe he doesn't fancy Laporte as a left-back. Then all of a sudden, heading into the vital stage of the season, Laporte is putting at left-back. You find it hard to believe, but has Pep been holding this back? Has this been, has this been a, a plan of his all along? To sort of, he knows that Mendy's not going to be here for this stage of the season. Is he? Is he? Is, is Laporte his first choice man now in that position? As long as Mendy is out, who knows? Who knows? I mean, we thought we might even see Mendy at Everton, but uh, he wasn't even on the bench, so you got to presume that he's not anywhere close, unless Pep's pulling another fast one on us, which he wouldn't surprise. Wouldn't surprise you one little bit, would it? Um, yeah, so I mean, left back. But you, you mentioned also the Aguero Jesus thing, which I thought is really interesting as to who plays. I mean, he, Pep said that Aguero uh, could be on the bench at Anfield, uh, which indicates that he's pretty much fit. You know, he just didn't want to risk him at Everton, um, but he's going to be fit enough to be on the bench. Now, that wouldn't surprise me if he was telling the truth on that one, um, because. Like you said, I mean, Jesus offers plenty going forward. But the other thing that he offers, he's a great defender. You know, he defends from the front, doesn't he? I mean, Aguero does it better than he ever used to do. But I still think if you want a player who's going to chase things down and harry defenders and come back and harry midfielders, Jesus is your better bet. You know, he's a dynamo, isn't he? He keeps going for 90 minutes. He's chasing everything. He's he's hassling the goalkeeper. He's hassling the centre-backs. He'll chase out after the full-backs. Um, and it, it puts teams under pressure, and, and that is that is something that City will need at Anfield. They'll want they'll want a player who will just run for ninety minutes, or run for seventy minutes, and then bring Aguero on and hope of getting a goal. No matter what the match situation is, bring Aguero on, and he might just bag you a goal in the last last twenty minutes or so. You mentioned the possibility of playing three at the back, and I can see what why that would be in your thoughts, and. I suppose Mendy could come into to that suddenly from nowhere, but I, I mean personally, I can't see it now that he didn't feature at all no. at Everton. No. But that when he has talked in the past and, and thought about playing three at the back, the theory has been that that allows him to play both Guerrero and Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do that at Anfield, surely though, is he? I would you, have thought so. And you would yeah. thought. I mean, I know Sterling had had a decent game at Everton, um, and we've perhaps discussed this as well before about. Who do you go with at Anfield? Do you go with Raheem Sterling, who's going to be the victim of the Boo Boys? Not that that would make any difference to me. That that wouldn't put me off. Um, but do you go for him as a quick counter-attacking winger? And I can see the virtue in that. And obviously Sane at the moment is almost impossible to leave out. Or do you go for Bernardo Silva on the basis that he's going to keep possession better? Mm-hmm. Do you stick Gundogan in there as a uh, you know as one of, another alternative possibly? Um, and not, in other words, not play two strikers. Um, I, I think he'll only go f- one up front, and I think the Aguero coming off the bench is an alternative to, you know, add a goal near the end when when the team is tiring. Because my 
hope in some ways and, and suspicion is that Liverpool will, will fly out of the blocks, hopefully then City control them, and as the game goes along, they run out of energy. That's exactly what they did in the game, the league game, the 4-3. Now, I know my Liverpool counterparts might argue that they just lost concentration and it didn't matter, it wasn't a two-legged game, so the fact that they were 4-1 up and City got a couple of goals back didn't matter. The City counter to that, of course, is if they'd have played another 10 minutes, they'd have got a level and maybe even won it. And I can't help thinking Liverpool did run out of energy. Mm. And the, the big Liverpool crowd at Anfield... That you know you'll never walk alone, and whatever it's going to be, the pyrotechnics when the coach come, comes by, isn't everybody after an hour going to have run out of, of energy? Even a Liverpool team, do you see that? Well, that, that has been a big tactic of City's all season, hasn't it? You know, you've yeah. seen them in games where they've just kept possession, moving it side to side, pulling teams this way, that way, and then the number of times that they scored goals late in the first half and late in the second half um, just bears testimony to the. To the efficiency of that, but yeah, I mean, it is it is a big part of what City do. Um, in terms of if they did play three at the back, I don't think they play Aguero and Jesus like you say. Sane's got to play, um, especially they've got problems at right back. You know, I think the young lad Trent Alexander-Arnold looks a good player going forwards. Uh, I think Wilfred Zaha gave him nightmares at Palace in the first in half, the first particularly. Half. But then. They put him, they got him on the front foot. They got him going forwards, and he started putting crosses. Match of the day highlighted this, didn't yeah, he? You know the yeah. fact that he, you know, he's he's a decent lad going forward. But you get him on his back foot. I mean, Sane destroyed him for that goal at Anfield, didn't he? That opening goal. Um, so that is that is one area that Pep will be really keen to uh, to test Liverpool. You know, they've got a definite weak spot there. Um, it's absolutely intriguing because I mean, we can't guess what Pep's going to do. But Jurgen Klopp, you know, an astute man and a, a tactician in his own right, I suspect he hasn't got a clue either. I suspect he's going through all these options and thinking, what is he going to do? And he's only going to find out an hour before kickoff. Um, I don't think there's going to be many surprises that Liverpool can throw up that 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 City can't deal with. But City have got aces up the sleeve that um, they can play on the night that uh, might just uh, might just. Fall. And the other thing is that Guardiola is so quick to assess if he, he'll he'll put something put a team out there with a way of playing. Fifteen minutes in, he'll think this isn't working and he'll change it. And his players are so well drilled that they know what to do to change it. You know, they'll just instantly change the formation, change the way they set up, so that they uh, they can they can institute. A new way of playing and and put the team under pressure, you know. Whereas perhaps they were struggling a little bit before. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating. That's one fascinating aspect of it. That you, 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 we can't predict what Pep's going to do. We can't predict his team. We can't predict his his tactics. Is he going to go out and attack and and try and win it in the first leg, or is he going to is he going to be a little bit? And then the fact that the fact that Kevin De Bruyne played a little bit deeper at Everton. You know, he was a little bit more defensive minded. Was that a dress rehearsal as well? Is he is he going to play? Because he can do that, and that was one. That's one problem that City had at Anfield. You know, uh, Liverpool were breaking on him from midfield. If if you haven't, if you have De Bruyne in there playing more alongside Fernandinho, um, and the other thing is, of course, at Anfield in that game, David Silva didn't play. Now that is a that is a a big difference to any team, and that that. He gives City so much control as well, controlling the final third. So 
you know, it's going. It could be a great game. It could be a really rubbish one though as well. But I, it's I think not it going to be. be a come on, it's <laughs> not going to be a rubbish game. Yeah. Blimey. I mean, I don't know. There's just so much on it. I, I get the feeling it just might end up being a bit of a squib, and then the second one will will explode into a proper, you know, all or nothing. The way Champions, Champions League, League games time. have been going though, I mean, obviously it's two English teams playing each other, and there is a different spirit in in England I mean I, I, you know we all watch these days because of the blanket TV coverage games from other leagues as well maybe not obsessively like we do in the Premier League but we do see enough of them to know that you know the intensity of games is different in this country and two English teams and in my opinion the two best English teams mm. going head to head in such a big competition is not going to disappoint and Liverpool cannot do anything but come forward. City can't, in my opinion, do anything but go forward or try to control the possession. They're not going to... Although you say Pep might have different plans up his sleeve, he's not going to park the bus. He's not going to suddenly do something completely different that way, is he? No, I don't Personnel-wise and and, and movement and all that sort of stuff, maybe, but they don't know any other way to play. And the games I've watched in the Champions League um, in, in the last few seasons... Often, when you get to this stage, the quarterfinals, the last 16, even the semi-finals, gets tighter as you go along. Often, the first leg ends up being quite the decisive leg. Um, you know, we, we used to when you and I were growing up, we were watching um, this this business. If you go away from home in the first leg, you perhaps get a nil-nil draw. You know, you come back to your own place, you've got the advantage at home. It feels to me sometimes that when you go away in the first leg, if you can get goals and and a lead, you've you've almost won the game in the first the first leg. Yeah. And and Liverpool will have that slight fear that if they throw caution at the wind to try and win the league, win the game in the way in the way that they might do in a league game if they were at home to as they were perhaps in the in the home league game against City, they can think well. We'll outscore them, we'll go forward, we'll get goals, and it doesn't matter. You have a slightly different mentality with the away goal rule, don't you? Yeah. I mean, City lose 4-3 at Anfield on Wednesday night, and it's actually quite a good result, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it is, City yeah. win 4-3 at Anfield, and, and they almost become odds-on favourite to, to go through the tie. Mm. So the other question, I suppose, is, you know, you can, you, you know, there are all these different permutations that you're talking about, Vincent Company played in two successive games against Arsenal in the League Cup and then the League game, which were four days apart. Mm-hmm. This one is four days apart. So it's not without precedent that he can play two games. And I know another thing we're going to come on to is the quotes from Pep about possibly feeling a weaker team or, or almost certainly feeling a weaker team in the Manchester derby. So on, on that basis, it's got to be Vincent Company, doesn't it? Uh, uh, yeah. unless, unless he's picked up something, it's got to be him and Otamendi as two of either the back four or two of a back three. But either way, it's those two, isn't it? Yeah, I would think so. He's, I think Pep set his style out that company and Otamendi are his, his first choice centre-backs right now. Uh, like you say, playing him in the Carabao Cup and then again in a, an important league game at Arsenal a few days later. I also uh, picked up on the fact that company played on the left side of defence at Everton. Mm. Normally that's Otamendi and company players on the right. Now we all remember what Mo Salah did to Otamendi in the first half at the Etihad, where he absolutely ripped Otamendi. And City were lucky to get away with that, really. You know, uh, There was a big gap between Otamendi and, and Benjamin Mendy, uh, and Salah was flying through it at regular intervals. Uh, and although City got to the break and they got to Sadio Mane's sending off, 
without conceding a goal. It was it was more by luck than than design, I think. So with that in mind, it's it's interesting that company is the man who he thinks is probably going to be able to deal with that better. Um, you know, perhaps it's the way he chased down Aubameyang in that Arsenal game when uh, everyone expected Aubameyang to flash past him and suddenly company was up alongside him and put in a tackle in which we uh, which staggered everybody. But he staggered company actually because we asked him about it afterwards and he had a big smile on his face and said, don't expect that to happen again. <laughs> that was in the cup final, wasn't it? So yeah, that yeah, wasn't in yeah. the league game, it was in the cup final. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't think company's uh, backing himself to take Mo Salah for pace. But um, yeah, I, I think I think the fact that company played on that side is perhaps uh, an indication that that's what he will do at Anfield. He'll play company on that side, whether it's you know obviously if he plays three at the back, he'll play Laporte there. Um, Stones again, is out of the picture, even though he'll have recovered from concussion. Stones is out of the picture uh, until the derby, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's it's unfortunate because he's. I thought he's he's done really well for England in his the last couple of games. Uh, he had a couple of sticky moments at the at the start of the uh, the last England game, but um, I think he's he's sort of rebuilt his confidence a little bit in those two games. Um, but right at, right at this minute, company and Otamendi are the man in position possession. I mean, Laporte hasn't done anything wrong really, and we're, we're all we've all been enjoyed watching him play because he's got that lovely left foot in him that you know pings a ball around the place. You've got him doing it left foot. We've got Otamendi doing it right footed now, haven't we? Those those balls out to Leroy Sane. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a feature on uh, on Wednesday night as well. We'll see them trying to hit Sane nice and early, get him one on one with Alexander Arnold, and and see if he can get some joy down that route as well. I thought one of Otamendi's passes at Everton to Sane was one of the best passes I've seen of the season. Yeah. I couldn't believe it was coming from Otamendi. It was yeah. so it was drilled, it was absolute pinpoint accurate at speed. Mm. So it meant that Sane, when it came to him, could just control it. I mean, I know he's a good player and he'd control a, a difficult ball sometimes well as well. But you, even I would have been able to control that because it was just so so mm. sharp and so good. So therefore, it, it come, I mean, obviously the Liverpool game is, is the big one and Max will circle back to that at the end of this podcast, but then there's the derby. Um, now, as we sit here, it may change, of course, after the Everton game, sorry, the Liverpool game, depending on the result, because a lot of City fans have said to me, if City go and get a good result at Anfield, if they were to win that tie, have a lead to bring back, then you can afford to take the risk of putting a stronger team out in the Manchester derby. I mean, whether he'll do that or not, I don't know. But he's 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 certainly been quoted Pep as, as if to indicate he's already made his mind up mm-hmm. that the team against United is going to be, when we say a weaker team, it's City and mm-hmm. it's a fantastic squad. Mm-hmm. So if it's if it's Stones and Laporte, you know, if it, if it's Danilo and Fabian Delph and Gundogan, you don't think, well, oh, what a weak team. But it is weaker than the team that's going to play at Anfield. Is he going to do that anyway, do you think, based on those quotes? Yeah, I think he's he's almost bound to, because he's, he's already, in the press conference after the Everton game, he started preparing the ground for this, saying he understands the fact that City fans will want to go out and wipe the floor with United to win the league, um, you know, because it's, it's a dream. But he's saying, I'm the manager. Uh, he said, I understand that. He said, because I remember when Barcelona beat Real Madrid to win the title. And as a Barcelona fan, he, uh, he you know, he thought it was fantastic and he understands the fans. But he's a manager. He's a man who's being paid to make decisions. And he made it plain that, practically speaking, the United game 
doesn't really mean that much because you know they can win the title. They've got another six games after that in which they can get the, the few points that they need to, to win the title. Whereas these two games against Liverpool, you know, if you if you don't win over the two legs, you're out of the Champions League. So it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, of course, the other side, I've, got, I've had lots of City fans tweeting at me saying, great, we'll put our reserves out and beat United to win the title. And that, that is the dream scenario, isn't it? That he plays the first team in the two legs against Liverpool, beats Liverpool, he puts a second team out, you can't, if you can call it a second team, uh, against United, beats them anyway and wins the Premier League. Although I'm not, I'm not sure that players like Kevin De Bruyne and Fernandinho and David Silva, who, who played all season... Will be over, overjoyed to be sitting on the bench or sitting in the stand while City go out and win the title. But I mean, no, nothing's given, obviously. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's absolutely. It looks like he's unless he's unless he's pulling another flanker, which wouldn't surprise me either. Um, he, he looks like he's absolutely dead set on playing a weakened team. Like you say, we say a weakened team, but with just about every player back, there's only Mendy who's a doubt still because we haven't seen him. Uh, Aguero is still a little bit of a doubt because we you know he wasn't on the bench either. You know it's not going to be a case of like Lucas Nemetcha and and Brahim Diaz and Phil Foden, although they may be involved at some point. You know it's going to be seasoned professionals. It's going to be Gundogan and Bernardo, uh, perhaps Jesus or, or Aguero, whichever one doesn't play at Anfield. Um, you know, like say Stones and Laporte. It's going to be a very adequate team. There's no reason not to play Edison in the game as well. Uh, and I think a lot of this season, when when we've seen City, uh, City's second team, if you like, I think a lot of the problem, not not because Bravo's been bad, but because he doesn't have that same presence and he doesn't get involved in the play the same way Edison does. I think a lot of it stemmed from that. So Edison will play in the derby. I think he could well do. Yeah, I think he could well do because what I mean, goalkeepers are different. The the only thing you'd be worried about is in getting injured, and. The, Keepers tend not to get injured, don't they? You know, I think that would be a risk worth taking. Play him in the derby. He's not going to get tired, is he? You know, he's, he's going to. A goalkeeper shouldn't be getting mentally or physically tired, no matter what stage of the season is. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Edison played and then he, he changed all ten outfield players for the derby. But you and me, we're both Mancunians and we're both of a certain vintage. And the Manchester derby to Mancunians or certainly people who live around Manchester the sort of hardcore if you like of fans of all teams has always been the be all and end all I mean mm. I know that for a long time Fergie used to go on about the derby you know doesn't matter as much as the Liverpool game ironically maybe this season the Liverpool game means more than the derby so maybe it's come round full circle yeah, yeah. But, but true Mancunians the Ma- Manchester derby it is still the Manchester derby can you believe that uh, it, you know, you know, can modern day footballers not play two games in four days? And I mean, in the Bell Lee Summerbee and the, the Law Best Charlton era, this would be unheard of, wouldn't it? it would. Even if a Liverpool game was either side of the derby, it would. But they didn't have squads like they have now, did they? You know, uh, he's quite the oldest call. He's the manager. I mean, I, I get what you're saying exactly, completely, but I think I think we're from a we are from a different era. We're old uh, biddies. We, we are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, last time we did this podcast, I tweeted it out, and I, for a bit of fun, I, I put a picture. You know, the two old Muppet characters, yeah, which is probably about the, the best tweet you've ever done. That, and it's most accurate, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and it is. That's, that's what we are. I think what we are with a couple of old Muppets. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I take your point, but. 
you know, how many times have we said, oh, why is he doing this? Why is he always oh, messing with the team? And then it's come off and then you've gone, yeah, he was right all along. He was right all along. So, you know, the, the people say in Pep we trust. If ever, there was, if ever that phrase was meant for a manager, it's made for him because he's proved himself so trustworthy this season. Everything he's done pretty much has come off. I can't think of any particular... Or if he does make a bad decision, he corrects it on the field. He corrects it 20 minutes into the game. So, you know, even even if they, even if they lose a derby, they'll still, they'll still probably win the league. You can't imagine, you know, even though they've got a Spurs then, and that's a game you can lose. Spurs are, are doing well. You'd still back City to win the league. So, you know, one derby defeat, although City fans won't like it particularly, you know, the bragging rights don't come into it. Because going into the work on the Monday morning... How many United fans are going to be are going to be in the faces? Oh, we beat your second team because the comeback is yeah, but we're going to win the league, and we still possibly go to the Champions League semi-finals. Where are you? You know, you're in the FA Cup semi-final, and that's it. So the bragging rights don't really come into it, I don't think. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I I totally understand. I totally understand if fans get upset about it because it's a derby and this sort of, it's, it's sort of certainly for Mancunian Reds and Mancunian Blues, it's it's part of your DNA just to want to beat the other lot. Um, but Pep Guardiola is dispassionate. He's a manager. He's making making decisions with his head and not his heart. And uh, if if he pulls it off, if if he beats Liverpool over the two legs, he's completely justified. Which, of course, leads us perfectly then into our two different perspectives on what's going to happen this week. As everybody knows, I'm an obsessed, die-hard City fan, as well as being a, a journalist and a reporter on the BBC for 25 years. But I am, at heart, still a supporter. You have that little bit more objectivity to me, uh, that little bit more uh, neutrality, if you like, in, in, in looking ahead at City games. And often when you and I travel together to games, yours is the sensible view whereas mine is the one that's skewed by emotion. Now that emotion that goes for everything, not just football. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Well, that that could that could lead me in two directions: either uh, the typical, when I said typical city, city aren't typical city anymore. I don't mean it like that. But that sort of inbuilt in your DNA anxiety and always expecting things to go wrong. So I could look at the two Liverpool games and the United game coming up, and because it isn't in my nature to be arrogant and assuming about the which is I think the way City fans generally think it isn't in my nature to be arrogant and assuming I would look at them and think well if City can get a draw at Anfield um, I think they, they can probably sneak home I'd be hopeful that they can probably sneak home against Liverpool in the second leg so I'm I'm hopeful certainly without expectation and in the Manchester derby, if City are going to field a weaker team, my fear is that they won't win the derby, uh, that, that United at the very least will come and park the bus and be so determined not to lose that, 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 that against a slightly weaker City team they will achieve that goal at least and possibly even go away with the victory on that day, which will mean that it's a bit of an anti-climax. And that's not being... That, the other way of City fans listening to this will go, he's being very negative there. I'm not being negative, I'm just being that over-cautious City fan. Mm. So at the moment, if, I'm, if I was to look at the next three games, I would say um, I'm hopeful of a draw at Anfield. Um, at the moment, with the expectation of the team that might go out against United and their determination not to lose, 
don't see City winning the derby, but I can see them drawing it. And then my hope is that they'll have done enough over the two legs to get through against Liverpool. That's my mm. emotional City fan head. How do you look at it? But just before I go on to that, you just you just made me think about something that if City do feel the weakened team in the derby, and Joe, it, it might force Mourinho's hand because if if he's got a team, he's up against a team that hasn't got De Bruyne, hasn't got Silver, hasn't got Aguero, hasn't got company, you know, all its all its sort of frontline players, if you like, they're not on that team sheet. Can he park the bus against that team? Could that be embarrassing United, if he did? The United it? fans would go mad. Saying that they're here for the taking, we could go out and win win this derby quite easily. And Mourinho, he's, he's sort of sitting back and inviting, and all, all they, it's, it's disrespectful to call them the reserve team, I guess. But that is what they are. They're, 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 it'd be the second team. It'd be not the first choice. It'd be the second choice. So I think I'm, I'm within my rights to call them a reserve team. Could he? Could he? He justify sitting back against that team. So again, that that's an interesting aspect of it. You know, it, that it might just work in City's favour uh, that Mourinho will have to come out and play, and that's any City team that that he puts out will be capable of beating United. I think so. It has more room, you're saying, to exploit. Yeah, yeah, United yeah. And yeah. Come if, out. If, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but if I had to put my house on, looking at it dispassionately, if I had to put my house on on a team coming through against in the Liverpool City game, I'd put it on City definitely. But having said that, I think it could go any way, any old way. I, I remember thinking this in the in the Manchester derby. Which one was it? Was it last year or the year before? I, I said this could be 4-0 United, it could be 4-0 City. So it could probably be a 0-0. And I, I, on this first leg at Anfield, I do feel that way. I feel City could go there, do what they did at Everton, get control of the ball, score an early goal and absolutely rip Liverpool and come away with a 3-0 lead from the first leg, tie over. Um, I think that the reverse could happen, that Liverpool could go out back by that crowd still on the back of you'll never walk alone, score an early goal and then City's backs are to the wall and anything could happen. You know, They could go back to the Etihad with a 3-0 deficit. So I, I, I genuinely think that that could happen. If I had to... If I had to I'm not a betting man, but if I had to bet on it, I would bet on a, a scoring draw, like a 2-2 or even a 3-3. Um, and then all to play for in the second leg. But, yeah, I mean, I I know what you're saying is that you, it's part of your DNA to, to worry about things. And, uh, you know, I, it made me laugh that I had a... I, I tweeted at Goodison on, uh, on Saturday that, you know, the City fans were singing we're going to win the league in the first half. I was saying it's very bold of them, isn't it? You know, it's unusual boldness <laughs> for City fans. And I got a tweet from a City fan saying, "I'm not singing it. I'm still worried." <laughs> no, it's, just, it's just brilliant, you know, the fact that they, even you know, if they were if they were fifty points ahead with with uh, with one game to play, there'd still be somebody thinking that something's going to happen. You know, the world's going to end, or uh, or UEFA are going to ban City for something. But uh, it, it does it does make me chuckle. But um, you know, looking at it dispassionately, City are far and away the better team. I mean, the points difference to Liverpool tells you that it's not not a coincidence. You know, Liverpool are a fine team and they're a great attacking team, but they've got serious. They have got deficiencies. Uh, City have got deficiencies, but they cover them up so well because they keep the ball and they attack so well, uh, and they defend from the front really well. 
Liverpool's deficiencies are a bit more glaring and as we as you can see from the league table and as you saw at Crystal Palace at the weekend um, they're, more, they're more easily exploited by the opposition and if, if City go out and play the way they can City win the game oh, they win the two legs I should say I can't help thinking that there's more pressure though on City uh, the expectation level that's been driven up by the success in the Premier League this season and a lot of people describing City's favourites to win the whole competition which I think is going too far with Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich etc mm. still in it but there is that expectation level that's been cranked up um, whereas Liverpool um, in this situation, unbelievably, for the first time in my lifetime, um, in fact, probably almost in any City Liverpool game, let alone a two-legged tie or or whatever, um, it feels to me as if Liverpool are the underdogs. To, you know that, that that they've also got the first leg at Anfield, and in, you know technically the second leg at home is always the advantage. Is is there more pressure on City? Can they deal with that? I mean, well. Uh, you know, well, De Bruyne is talking about from your quotes. You know, playing with a smile on your face and yeah. having that trust and look in the eyes. Yeah, I mean that could be a factor, I suppose, as well. I mean, the the fact that City are sweeping all before them, is it possible that Liverpool look at City and look them in the eye and see what they're doing and actually scared of them? Well, there's there's only one thing better than being the underdogs, and that's being the overdogs, and that's <laughs> what City are. You know the. Liverpool are the underdogs for a reason because City are better, basically. Um, and whenever you ask about the pressure, you know, you ask a player like Kevin De Bruyne, as I've done many, many times, you ask a player like Kevin De Bruyne or David Silva or any of them, it's the pressure on you. And they always say, nothing like the pressure we put on ourselves. They put the pressure on themselves every single game to go out and perform. And they perform under pressure. That's why they're such great players. If they started crumbling under pressure, they wouldn't be what they are, mm. you know. And the pressure's on. Uh, the pressure's on Liverpool. They're at home at Anfield. Their fans are expecting them to go out and rip into City and, and give them a hiding, you know, and really, really go at them. That's pressure. Really, you know, City can afford to weigh it up and to just keep the ball and, and knock it around, wait till the crowd goes quiet. So, you know, I think the, pre- the pressure's as much on Liverpool as, as it is. You know, pre- Liverpool have got the... I've got the pr- pressure of, of all the history that the fans bang on about incessantly. Um, and that City have got a rich history of their own, but they haven't got that European background. They haven't won five Champions Leagues, so they're not expected to win it. And if City didn't win the Champions League, the fans wouldn't be devastated. They'd be perfectly happy. I mean, most City fans I know want to win the Premier League before they want to win the Champions League. Yeah, that's definitely the vibe I get. Yeah, but Liverpool fans look at it a little bit differently. You know, Europe's everything to them, you know, because they've got such a such a, a strong tradition of, of winning the thing. Uh, so they'll feel that. They'll feel that at Anfield. They'll feel the, sort of the burden of all those years on their shoulders. Whereas City, in, in at this stage of the Champions League, are the new boys, you know, they're, they're sort of there and they can just go out and, and play the football. And I think that's what they'll do. Well, fingers crossed, by the time Richie's back in this chair uh, presenting the next podcast uh, next Monday, um, it means that by then City could have won the league. Uh, they could have a healthy advantage for the second leg. They could have lost at Anfield and be up against it in the second leg and could have lost the Manchester derby um, and still have work to do in the in the Premier League. 
Uh, one thing's for sure, it's going to be a massive, massive week. Um, and um, hopefully you've, you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have, subscribe, um, share, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, obviously, iTunes and Audio Boom are the two places to hear it. This has been Talking City from the Manchester Evening News with Ian Cheeseman and uh, Stuart Brennan. And we'll see you again next time. Cheers.